0: My name is Nate, Nate Arnold, and I am one of the elders at Metro North Church, and as Phil has already let you know, uh, I am uh, in the licensure process, and uh, so we'll be uh, bringing, I do have the privilege of bringing God's Word to you this morning. It's good to see a lot of uh, the, uh, some familiar faces out there this morning, and uh, there's a very good spirit in this place. I just have enjoyed worshiping with, with you this morning, and as we continue to worship, I would like you to take a moment and just think, uh, just kind of settle your mind a little bit, and I would like to, for you to think of a public person that most interests you, somebody that most interests you, somebody that you're interested in. And this person could be an uh, anyone. It could be an actor. It could be a business person. It could be an athlete. Uh, it could be a writer, a singer, some kind of leader. But this kind of person... Uh, would cause you to automatically stop at a magazine stand and pick up an article or a magazine if you saw uh, a, a magazine article about them. Or maybe you would stop and watch a television special about them or a TED Talk. You would just take some of your time out of your day. You, you have a lot of interest in this person. And over time, you would come to grow interested and you would come to grow, this, grow to know this person more and more. Well... Who would that be for you? Who is that that person? Well, let me do something else. So now let's say that I have the power to give you one week with that person. And you can stay with that person for one week. Everything's taken care at home. Don't worry, ladies. Guys, everything's taken care of the job. You can spend one week with that person. You stay in their home. You get to eat with them, you get to spend time with them, you get to follow them throughout their day. And you just get to get to know this person. So, at the end of one week, what do you think would happen? Do you think you would like this person more? Or you would like them less? Could be either way, right? <laughs> do you think you would uh, really uh, uh, respect them more? Do you think uh, your mind would you know, think about things that they did or, or, or do you think you would respect them less? Do you think you would find out things about them that they, you would go, whoa, not, not the person I thought? Well, the whole point is, the truth is that you won't know until you know more about them, right? You just won't know. You won't know the answer to that question uh, un- until you know about that person. You see, we can know about somebody, we can know about somebody, But it is impossible to truly know somebody without knowing a lot about them, isn't it? We can know about somebody and not know them, but it is absolutely impossible to know someone without knowing a lot about them. Would you agree? It's this way for yes. Okay, all right. So, in other words, and I'm talking about our approach, and Phil's already told you we're going to do a, a kind of a mini-series on how to read your Bible, and, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But we're, we're talking um, uh, about our approach, and what, what I mean when I say how to read your Bible, um, I mean in what manner to read your Bible, what lens do you look at the Scripture through, what... Uh, what's your mindset when you approach the Bible for the for the first time, or when you approach the Bible to read it? That's what I'm talking about when I say how to read your Bible. And this morning, uh, my thesis or my idea is that we should read our Scripture to get to know Christ. We should read our Scripture to get to know Christ. In other words, our approach to reading Scripture must be from the viewpoint of determining who Christ really is because He might not be the guy we think He is in the first place, right? Might be different from what uh, we were taught growing up or might be different of what, from what we saw on television or various other inputs from culture. Christ may be completely different than, than we originally thought. And John 17.3, John this is critical. This is critical to our spiritual well-being. John 17.3 tells us, and this is eternal life, That they know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is critical to our eternal well being because we must know who God is and Jesus Christ, who sent. Well, way number one in your notes we study scripture to get to know Christ as a person. We study scripture to get to know Christ as a person. And throughout our text that was read this morning, uh, throughout the New Testament, Christ is presented as a real person. He's somebody you could touch. He's somebody you could handle. He's a real person. And, and we're seeking to get to know a person. We're not seeking to get to know some ethereal idea when we approach the Scripture. Some idea about salvation. We're seeking to know Jesus Christ as a person. And Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, he says, Come unto me... All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're coming to a, say it with me, person. We're, we're coming to a person. We're not, not coming to an idea. And Hebrews 4, uh, 15 through 16 says, We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. He's a person, yet without sin. And because he's a person, we can have a a relationship with him in this manner. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ is a person. Well, what does that mean? The scriptures teach us that Christ walked this earth as a man for 30 plus years. He was born as a baby, he grew up, he walked the earth. He lived with His last three years with His disciples. Uh, He walked daily with them. He was killed. He was buried. And then He rose from the dead. And something interesting happened when Christ rose from the dead. He took some very serious pains to make sure that His disciples didn't think He was a ghost. What did He do? He said, hey Thomas, touch me. You can touch me. handle me you can put your hand in my side give me a piece of fish let me eat it even though I died I'm still a person I'm I'm a person and he took very great pains to do that well how do we get to know him as a person how do we get to know anybody (laughs) as a person right remember to truly know somebody we've got to learn a lot about them to truly know so example guys married guys in the room everybody look at me what did you do when you were dating? Ladies, you'll have to verify this later if they're telling the truth. But you spent some time with that girl, didn't you? You focused on what was important to her and every time you did something that was good, went in your little checkbook, good thing, got smiles, giggles, whatever. Anytime you got the stink eye, what happened? Ooh, well, Right? But you spent time getting to know that person and getting to know their likes and dislikes. And it's the exact same way with, with Jesus Christ and getting to know him as a person. It works exactly the same. And in the scriptures, we learn about him as a person through words and observation. And we learn about Christ when we take our approach to the scripture, and we'll, we're going to jump in a little deeper here in just a second. But when we learn about Christ as a person, when, when our perspective on the Scriptures is, hey, I'm, I'm reading this to get to know Christ as a person, some of the things we start to do is look at His likes. And what were some of His likes? What are things that Christ Himself liked? What did He like? Well, we see in Scripture He liked to be with people, right? He spent time, time with people. Christ, uh, matter of fact, the Pharisees accused Him of being a party animal. You know, They said, hey, he's drinking with sinners, he's, he's attending parties, he's going to weddings. He, he loved people. Christ loved people and he, he loved to spend time with people. And he loved to teach. I mean, he took a lot of his time to, and, and went out of his way and, and taught people individually, taught people in groups. He, he just loved to teach. He was always doing that. He would stop in the middle of walking with his disciples like any good rabbi would, and he would just begin teaching right there on the spot. He just loved to teach. He was, he was that kind of person. That's something that he liked. He liked uh, healing people. It's amazing the care and the love of Jesus Christ and how he just went about touching people and healing them and loving on them. It's just an amazing thing to look at in scripture. So when we approach scripture this way, we see his likes. We also see some dislikes. What kind of things did Christ dislike? Well, we know he didn't like people changing money in the temple, right? He uh whip, he turned over somebody's tables, coins are everywhere. He's he's rather upset and angry about that. And yes, that's a fulfillment of prophecy, but Christ was still upset. Who did he rail on You don't see Christ speaking hard to people a lot in Scripture, but he rails on the Pharisees, doesn't he? That hard, hypocritical legalism. Buddy, he just drills right in on that. I mean, he just don't like it, to put it in southern vernacular. He just, he just didn't like it. And, and he was very hard on it. Another thing that made him angry, and he, the, the Scripture actually records him being indignant He's indignant when the disciples said, hey, you little kids and moms and parents, y'all stay over there. Jesus is too important for you to, to be connected to. He got really indignant about that and he he pretty well uh, laid it on. He laid a good tongue lashing on his disciples because of, he he got angry. Those are some of the things that as we look in Scripture, we see he got angry over hard-heartedness when he was in the... Synagogue, and they had the man with the withered hand, and he said, "Is it okay to heal on the Sabbath?" And the old hard-hearted people, and and he got angry. Says so he looked around with anger, and then he went ahead and healed the man anyway, which was pretty neat. We see his emotions. We see his likes, his dislikes, we see his emotions. He weeps over Lazarus, he weeps over all of Jerusalem. When he tops the hill getting ready to enter in Jerusalem, he breaks down, he cries. And he, he just says, if you guys only knew, if you just only knew what was, what was in store for you, it, it, it would be different for you. Even the rich young ruler, when the rich young ruler comes to him and Christ tells him, he says, you've got to keep all these things in the law. The rich young ruler says, I've done all those things, Lord. What do I need to have eternal life? The Bible says he looked at him and he loved him. There was an emotion there. He loved that man. And then he told him the truth about where his God really was, right? It It was money. And one of the interesting things for me when I see the emotions of Christ, I see his love when he's even hanging on the cross. What did he do? What did he do? What did he do? Yeah, what did he do when he was hanging on the cross for his mother? He loved enough that he. I'm, this guy is in agony, okay, and yet he loves enough that he's going to take care of his mother and provide for his mother. That's interesting set of emotions. So when we approach the scripture to get to know Christ as a person, uh, we see these things. We also see what's important to him. We see where He spends His time, where He spends His resources. Christ told people, He said, the foxes have what? Holes? He said, the birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. I'm not putting any of my resources down here on this earth. I'm putting all of my resources in the people of God, in the kingdom of God, in building people, not in building houses and things like that. That's where I'm I'm putting my resources. And we learn to respect Him for who He is. And ultimately, our respect causes us to want to imitate Him. And I know for me, the more I'm exposed in Scripture to the person of Christ, the more I change, the more I want to be like Him. I do. I can't sometimes. I fail, I fall, I stumble. But the more I see the beauty of Christ as a person for who He is, the more I want to emulate and, and imitate Him. And as we learn to see Him as a person, He becomes more approachable. You know, He's not just some big God up on a mountain that's scary and there's lightning and there's thunder and there's earthquakes, but He's somebody I can approach. I can talk to Him. He's, he's a person. And that was His intent, I think, in coming as a person, to show I'm a God that's impro- approachable. I'm a God that you can reach out to. And touch Well, we don't only study Scripture to get to know Christ as a person, but we also study Scripture to get to know Christ as Lord and Savior. What do we mean when we say Lord? It's kind of a far-off term to us in modern American Western society, isn't it? When I say somebody's my Lord, you know, we're, we're Americans. We don't have no Lords. We don't do that. Right, we're independent. We we took care of that, you know, back in the 1700s, and uh, we we've been independent ever since. But when we say, when we look at the scripture and get to know Christ as Lord, that's the one whom I serve. That's what Lord means. It's the one who has control over me, and you'll see that in your text in verses ten and eighteen and twenty through twenty-two. He says, I, and it's somebody that means that I've changed. My Lord, I've turned away from my way and I have started doing things His way. The One who gives me my identity. Verse 10 and 18, the One, He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good word. Because He's the head, right? He's the firstborn. He's preeminent. And He's also Savior. He's Lord and He's Savior. Now your text doesn't say the word Savior, but it gives a very succinct definition of being a Savior. And let's look at that very closely in verses 20 through 22. He's the one who saved me from my sin. He's the one who makes peace by the blood of his cross and has reconciled those who were alienated, hostile, those who who were doing evil. He's my Savior. He's my Lord, the one whom I serve, the one whom I've oriented my life to obey, and he's also my Savior. If Christ is truly your Lord, in other words, you've reoriented your life, you've repented and you've turned toward Him and you're following Christ, then He's your Savior. But if He's not your Lord, then He won't be your Savior. I'm going to say that again. Think about this. If Christ is truly your Lord, then He's your Savior. If He is not your Lord, then He will not be your Savior. And this is clearly taught... I've put a text up here, I think we should have it in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 21-23. through 23. Let's look at this. Christ himself says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So it's not just the words that come out of our mouth, is it? It's the position of our heart in following Christ. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons? Didn't we have good theology? Weren't we good Presbyterians? Didn't we have all all that good stuff and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I was never your Lord, and therefore I am not your Savior. So we study scripture to get to know Christ as a person. We study Scripture to get to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And we study Scripture to get to know Christ as God. We study Scripture to get because He is God. We we study it to to get to know Him as God. He's the image. Our text tells us there in 15 through 17 and and 19. And even if you move over to chapter two, verse 9. You'll you'll see this. It says, He is God. He's the image of God. If you want to see what God looks like, that's Him. He's the Creator. This is Christ. Everything was made for Him, and He holds all things together. This person. He's the fullness of God. In Him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. You can't get more God than that. It doesn't happen. So when we study the Scripture to get to know Christ, we also know Him as God. And there's a parallel Scripture if you want to look at it later in Hebrews uh, verse one through three or one three. I mean, He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. This person, this Lord and Savior, this God. And if you struggle with this, if this kind of blows your mind a little bit, you're in good company. We'll look at, look at a couple of scriptures here. Uh, the Apostle Philip struggled with this. It has nothing to do with Pastor Philip, but the Apostle Philip struggled with this. And let's, let's look at that. Let's go to John 14 real quick, if you will. Um, and let's, let's read that passage. John chapter 14. Uh, 8 through 11, should be on your screen up there. And Jesus has just got 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 finished telling, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me. And Philip says these amazing words. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll suffice us. We'll be happy. Show us the Father. And notice what, Jesus is actually kind of sharp with Philip. He goes, have I been so long with you, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Come on, Phil. (laughs) How can you do that? Who has seen me seen the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So the apostles had a little struggle with this. How about the Jews? Let's jump to chapter 10. And uh, we'll look at uh, verses 24 through 33. And the Jews come up to him and go, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand I and the Father are one. Now in case you don't think that Christ is saying that He is God here, watch what happens next in the text. Then the Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. And Jesus asked them, He answered them, He says, I've shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone Me? And the Jews answered Him, it's not for good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself... God. You being a man, make yourself God. So we study the scripture to get to know Christ as a person. And because it takes a person to relate to a person, doesn't it? We study the scripture to get to know Christ as Lord and Savior so that we learn from him and that he can rescue us from our sins. We study the scripture to get to know Christ as God So we can trust what He says and realize that He can bring whatever He desires to come to pass. And unless we search the Scriptures to know Christ, we're just reading a wonderful history book. It's just a little book of tales is is all it is. But when we read and study to see and understand the wondrous work of God in Scripture and see Christ for the person that He is, this book comes alive. We're looking at a real person here. We're looking at the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And we start to honor Him for who He is, perfect and holy and righteous and loving and merciful and and all the aspects of God, kind, gentle, and merciful. By reading the Scripture to know Christ, we understand that He has made us new and He's put His Holy Spirit into us. And we've become part of His bride. And as His bride, we don't want to bring any dishonor to Him, do we? We don't want to uh, grieve His Holy Spirit. And we begin to understand our baptism as we had up here. uh, That we're part of Christ. That we're part of the body of Christ. Our communion becomes real. This becomes more and more real when we look at the Scriptures through the lens of Christ. The bread... It's broken for me. It's my strength. It's what I feed on. It's where I get my sustenance. And the wine becomes more ugly and yet more beautiful. It becomes ugly in the sense of this is what it took to pay for my sin. And it becomes beautiful in that there's not a single creature on the planet or in all of eternity that can bring a charge against my soul. When we understand Christ that way by reading scripture to know christ our works take on new meanings they take on the deeper purpose of demonstrating to others how christ himself loves well let's put this in shoe leather as the old baptist preacher said he said we need to walk this out we need to put this in shoe leather what does this look like when we study the scripture to know christ And how do we do this? How do we begin to do this? How can we put this into practice in our lives? Well, one of the ways is personal prayer and Bible study. When I personally pray, I get aside with God and I begin to look at His Scripture. And there's very good reading plans out there. I might uh, recommend some that alternate between the Old Testament so you can see the work of Christ in the New Testament versus the Old Testament back and forth. McShane's reading plan is a good reading plan to do that. How about devotionals? Got to be a little careful with devotionals, but you can get off in some wacky stuff. But uh, you've got some good elders and a good pastor, and they can recommend those to you. I find for me, uh, one thing that I do when I approach the scriptures and look for Christ is reading a whole book of the Bible at one sitting. Now, I know I'm weird. It's okay. Some of y'all are going, huh? (laughs) Okay. And But I sit down, when I sit down with an epistle and I read it front to back, the first half I see Paul holding up Christ, and the last half I see how to put that in my life and how to actually work it out. Memorizing Scripture. This is something I do uh, myself. Uh, I enjoy doing this, but it kind of lets it percolate in my brain. It, it, when I memorize Scripture, I memorize specific Scriptures about Christ it begins to help me realize who He is as a person. It begins to let me realize who He is as my Lord and Savior. And then I can reflect on that and know that He is God. Family devotions is another way. Family devotions. When you have to teach somebody else or teaching somebody else. How many of you have ever tried to teach somebody else something? Takes a little organization, doesn't it? You have to spend some time, you know, putting your thoughts together and and stringing them together to solidify what you've learned. And it helps keep you from being willy nilly in the scriptures. It does. When you sit down and you teach somebody else and you string things together, uh, you, you began to get it better yourself. Small groups, Bible studies. I heard, I've never attended here. Well, I've never attended here since you've been here in this building. I did attend one time. But uh, small groups and Bible studies—I heard you guys talking about those—great places to begin to look at Christ as a person, as Lord, and uh, it provides you with focused study and with discussion. You get kind of a learning community, and your brothers and sisters hold you accountable, and uh, you—they continually point you to Christ. And last, church services church services I was really uh, again I, I haven't looked at anything it's just the Lord worked it out this way but your liturgy helps you to see who Christ is if you'll just take your bulletin and, and set it on the table and back away from it and look at what happens in the church service what happens you open with prayer, there's reading there's, there's forgiveness there's, there's asking, there's confession there's the, the pardon there, all that going back shows you who Christ is and when you approach the Scriptures that way, then you get to get a better grip on who Christ is in the Scriptures. Public and personal prayers. We've already talked about that. Acknowledge Christ as Lord. Singing. I love, I love the way you guys do music. Uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It's singing prayers. It's singing good theology it's, it's singing a good understanding of Christ and it sets it to music so it's not only just heady, but it winds up in our hearts. Singing helps us do that in, in our liturgy. Preaching the Word, pointing us to Christ. That's kind of a given. And the sacraments, they're meant to point us to the person, the Lord, the Savior, and God, Jesus Christ. That's what they do. They're a sign and a seal of what's been done, our baptism and the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. They point us to Christ. So my hope is that as we go through this series and as you look at Scripture from now on, your your intent would be that that you would look at Scripture with the bent of seeing who Christ is as a person, seeing who Christ is as your Lord and Savior, and seeing who Christ is as God. And this is how, or by what manner, we should study our Scripture or study the Bible. Without Christ, without Christ, it's just a nice book. That's all it is. John 5, 9 says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Let's pray. Father, I pray exactly what our text was this morning. I pray that You would open our hearts, that from the time we have heard, Lord, that uh, our hearts would be set on You and that we may be filled with the knowledge of Your will. Lord, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord, that uh, we might walk in a manner that is fully pleasing to you, that we might bear fruit in every good work, and we might be increasing in the knowledge of God so that we get to know you more and more and more and more. Lord, that our relationship grows stronger and stronger with You, and Lord, that we realize who You are, and that we realize You're extremely approachable, and there's nothing in our lives that we can't talk to You about, and there's nothing that You can't walk us through or rescue us from, and that there's nothing, Lord, that uh, that's going to surprise You. Lord, you've, you've struggled with it all. You've been tempted in every way, just like us, and And you know what it takes to overcome it. And you can supply that need through your riches and glory. So I pray this, for this congregation, that they may be filled, that they may be strengthened, Lord, that uh, they may have endurance and patience and giving thanks to you and glorifying the name of Christ and all that they say and do and think. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.